You're listening to Intentional Optimists, the podcast for unconventional leaders, where you'll find inspiration, learn to discover and develop your own strengths, and hear from inspiring women just like you who are making a difference in their community. Who knows, you just might find yourself stepping up as the next unconventional leader right where you are. I'm your host, Andrea Johnson, the original Intentional Optimist. Welcome to episode 85. Is your wardrobe divided into sections based on stages of your weight loss or gain? Well, mine is. Well, or it used to be. I've always wanted to look really good in my clothes, like most women, but I've struggled to attain that elusive trifecta of good fit, works with my personality, and real comfort. Also, as a petite pair, and if you're not familiar with body types, pair, you can look it up, I have harbored extreme ill will against designers and the fashion industry in general for catering to what I perceive to be tall or buxom or just non-curvy bodies. Well, today's guest, and you're going to love her, has a passion for helping women feel great in their clothes. Yep, there are actually women out there who have figured it out and love helping the rest of us. Dana Dunton is the owner of Mainstream Boutique in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, which just so happens to be a franchise. So surprise, we're switching things up a bit in here. Today, I'm still riding high off the buzz from last week's interview with Diane Ployce, the franchise matchmaker, just one episode back, number 84, and I had my mind blown about the sheer variety and diversity of franchises available. So I wanted to talk to someone who'd actually done it and not with a recognizable fast food version. But I had no idea walking into this interview that Dana's story would be so compelling and inspirational and how beautifully she would prove the unconventional leader principle that when we find our passion, there is always a way to make it happen. I cannot wait for you to meet my new friend and franchise owner, Dana Dunton. Hey, Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am too. Um, you and I were talking about the fact that I have heard your name for a good while. You are a, a good friend of and helper to, and I can't wait to explain some of the stuff that you do um, to my friend, Kim Pate, who is also the podcast producer and engineer and sound person and everything. So um, if you would give us just a little bit of the background of your story, and whatever kind of led you up to what you do now that we consider unconventional leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my story actually started years before I realized what my, what I'm going to call my calling mm. to what led me to today. Um, I was in college and I did the typical college things and kind of put on some of the college weight. And I really struggled. I mean, I've struggled with body issues and Mm self-confidence for my entire life. And then as many women, when we start gaining weight and we have to go up to those sizes became really difficult Mm -hmm. for me. And you get stuck in being defined by that small or the medium or the large. Mm -hmm. And eventually once I started, I originally started my career as a teacher. And so Mm -hmm. when I had to start entering that workforce, I knew I needed to look and dress appropriately and not no longer like a college student. And I just started realizing that sometimes I was a medium and sometimes I was a large and sometimes I could still be a small. 
Um, but really the clothes didn't define me. It was the way I looked in them and the way I felt in them. And mm-hmm. that was probably my first step in freeing myself to not being bogged down and, you know, held to a standard that there really is no set standard for. Mm. Um, so I started dressing to fit my body and to fit my personality, which gave me confidence. And I started succeeding in my student teaching and in my teaching career. And I did that for a long time in shopping and fashion was just kind of my hobby. It was something I dabbled in. Um, you oh know, my gosh, how I many of us would love for that to right? be our hobby? Yes, exactly. Great. Yeah, exactly. And so I didn't even realize it, but all of a sudden started, people started coming to me asking me for fashion advice or asking me to go shopping with them because they're like, when you've dressed me or when you've given me these tips, they're like, I get the most confidence. And so I would start going with girlfriends and I would not tell them what size I was pulling. And I would tell them like, I'm like, if we're going to do this, like you can't look, you cannot look yeah. at what I'm putting in your dressing room. You're just going to have to trust me. We might strike out a few times. Um, and sure enough, it was those same things. Like sometimes we were in larges, sometimes we were in smalls, but it was more about how it made them feel and how it mm-hmm. fit their body. Um, because the fashion industry is kind of crazy yeah. and You know, there's no set standard for sizes or anything. And eventually it just kind of, I was like, you know, I would love to open up a store. I would love to open up a boutique, but it was kind of always off in the distance um, and nothing that I ever thought would come to fruition. And a girlfriend of mine had said, why don't you do one of those franchises where you have support? Because I was a teacher. I had no business degree. I've never worked in retail. This was just all of, you know, me searching on Pinterest and mm-hmm. experimenting as I went. And so she's like, why don't you join one of those franchises where like they have support, but you get to do your own buying. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. I would never <laughs> do that. Why, why would I want to pay someone for the work that I'm doing? <laughs> and uh, they conveniently had moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. And so we went to go visit them and we went shopping and we went into a store, a mainstream boutique. And I loved everything in the store. Like I wanted to buy, I walked Mm. out and I was like, with like my three bags. And I was like, (laughs) if I had a store, that's what it would be. That's the look it would be. Those Mm. are the clothes I would have. And of course she didn't tell me what we were walking into. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we walked out and she goes, that is one of the stores I was telling you about. It's a franchise, but each person does the buying. And she's like, I just think it would be a really good fit for you. (sighs) So on the plane ride home, I sent an email to the corporate office. And by the time I landed, I had a response back. And we had started the process of me becoming a franchise owner. I have cold chills. What a friend. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Dina, please tell me that she is like in business with you. She, she is one of my strongest supporters, but no, <laughs> she, you know, she does get a pretty good discount though, because we get to, you know, she gets a lot of the credit for starting or introducing me to the franchise that I went with. Well, you know, there are so many things to tease out in this story. Um, number one, the mindset changes that you went through and bravo for not paying any attention to the number 
because how many of us walk into a store and from brand to brand need a different size? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so we can tease out that a little bit as well, but also being willing to say, wait a minute, I can help other people and recognizing that that is something that you were offering and you had no idea. You were just doing what you loved, recognizing a passion, right? Yes. Yes. And and then having, this is the other piece is that community, even if community is just two people in a room or two people in a relationship, what a community for you to have a friend that was willing to haul you down from, where do you live? At Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina, just to see, just to give you a piece of the vision so that you could see what was possible for you. God, that's fabulous. Oh my gosh. That's great. So let's, gosh, let's dig, let's dig a little deeper. Um, so you and I are both petite people, right? We're small people, right? Um, and you know, my story also is very fraught with the whole body image thing. And I have been up and down and up and down. And how many of us have these are my small clothes. These are my medium clothes. And these are my big clothes, no matter what the size is. Right? They could be- Get rid of them. Yes. Get rid of them. That is. Yeah. Go. Uh, well, and that, so yeah, that's what it was. Like you hold on to these because you think about like, I'm going to get back into that. And at some point, like, yes, some see it as a goal, but to me, it just reminds you of what you're not and you're not what you were. And that's okay because you've grown, you've learned things. You don't want to go back to that person most likely either, because you know, things now that you didn't know back then. And it's probably not going to be in style if you can fit into it eventually down the road. (laughs) I don't know. I have one or two things from when I was in high school. And let me tell you, girl, those eighties are coming back. Um, Uh, They are. I, I have worn a, what we call a Canadian tuxedo in whitewash (laughs) denim. And (laughs) I never thought that that would be a thing. Um, that's so true, right? We are not that person, even if it's, even if it's the little person, right? Even if it's the small sizes, that person maybe had a completely different mindset than what we have now. And Mm -hmm. even if it's, especially if it's the larger size, being able to turn your back on that and walk away from that and say, I'm, that is not who I am anymore. I have made these changes. We talk about Um, habit forming. And every single time you do something new and good for yourself, it's a vote for the person you're becoming. And I I just love that image of, I have like a a guest bedroom where I put all my stuff. And now I switch out just the summer and winter because I have an old house with small closets, but I used to have clothes that were my big clothes and my, you know, and to do that, and to save those things, because I was up to 310 pounds, right? So I was in size, and granted, this was 17 years ago, so 24s at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, now the sizes are all, all the sizes are different. <laughs> but yeah. at the time, I remember when Lane Bryant first opened, I remember going in Lane Bryant and thinking, oh, I can finally find clothes that work for my body. And it gave mm-hmm. me such a boost of confidence to be in clothes that were not grandma and actually fit me. And so to me, that was kind of the beginning back in the early, early nineties of paying attention to body type rather than size. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And just fitting, you know, cause everyone 
has that different body type and each body type is so specific to what suits it best. There's the pear, there's the heart there, you know, I always talk about my child rearing thighs and, (laughs) and, and as you go through your stages of life, you change too. And now as mom of three, you know, I'm stuck in that. I don't, I don't want to necessarily, not that there's anything wrong with people looking at me and saying, Oh, there's a mom. Mm. But again, I, I don't like being defined by the way I look. And so it's, I, I don't want to necessarily look like I'm a mom of three. I want to, sometimes I do when I'm at soccer games. Absolutely. I want you to know who my kids are and who (laughs) I'm cheering for. But if I'm in the business world, like I want you to look at me and see that I'm a female entrepreneur and that is where I am at that moment in time. And so we wear all of those different hats and I love the stories that our clothing can tell in each of those different scenarios and um, where we are in that day. Yeah. So, well, and you talked, you mentioned number one, that it fits you, right. That it, that it actually flatters your body size and type, but the mm-hmm. other piece you mentioned was your personality. And yeah. I think so many times women want to play, especially those of us with big personalities, we play down some of that in order to be quote professional. Talk to us a little Mm -hmm. bit about how you help women showcase their personality in ways that are really flattering and helpful. Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing we have, our age demographic is typically in the 40 to 70. That's the women that I see coming in. Okay. And so many times they'll come in and they'll be like, I don't think I can wear this because I'm too old. Yeah. And I am like, absolutely not. I said, we are never too old for anything Mm -hmm. because it's about how we wear it. It's not how the clothes wear us. It's how we wear those clothing. Mm -hmm. And so if it makes you feel good, that is going to be reflected in how you carry yourself, which is one of my favorite things. So the biggest thing is just, figuring out what their personality is. And if they need it more to be professional, then finding a way for that personality to come out in the smaller details. So maybe we get a really bold print top and we put it like a blazer over the top. Mm -hmm. So you have that bold print, but it's toned down slightly because we have the blazer or doing a really fun earring or a big bracelet. Um, And one of the things because we talked about, you know, we struggle with body image and one of my coping mechanisms as I have grown older is I have started getting tattoos, um, which was something in, you know, my very Christian family was not ever really, I'm kind of, we joke that I'm the black sheep of the family. Oh, me Um, too. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And all of my tattoos have meaning. Um, Mm. They all hold very dear special places in my heart. And for me, especially struggling with the body image, it is, it makes me more confident in my body because I've chosen to put those there and they're a reflection of who I am and who I love. And so I like being able to showcase them in classy ways Mm. that shows that it is okay. Like Mm -hmm. it's a different, you know, it's, it's a different era and it's a different viewpoint. And Um, So just showing how some of those things can play into your 
wardrobe while you're still being professional mm. and still being dressed up. So, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of my job, the stylist job, the ladies that work for me, um, our biggest thing is just listening, mm. listening to who they are and listening to what's important to them. And then finding ways to bring that in when we're styling them and showing them the options that we have in the store. I think that's really smart. And I find that that particular skill set comes up constantly when I talk with leaders is that one of the best things you can do is listen. And when people feel women, especially, um, and several episodes ago, I was speaking with a woman who said, when we had 40, we kind of become invisible and, I, you know, I, me, I, when I hit 50, I just got louder, but you know, I think maybe it's because, <laughs> maybe it's because of that. It's like 50 felt like freedom to me. Um, it's like, Oh, I no longer have to worry about all that, 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 that I am now 50. <laughs> right. And so I have like permission to do certain things. I have arrived. Say, yes. <laughs> I have arrived. It's like real adulthood or something, but I think it's important to recognize that not everybody is like me, right? Some people turn, some women turn 50 and like shrink. Some women turn 50 and say, okay, well, it's over. You know, it's like, now I'm done. I just need to wait till I retire. And the other piece that, so we have the the fit and how it flatters your body and um, the personality that comes through, but okay, just, let's just be honest from 40 to 70. How do we talk about comfort? Yeah. Well, and I didn't know clothes could be comfortable until I opened the store. <laughs> like I was stuck in these. Oh, I mean, the I, revelation. Had learn, <laughs> I had to learn that, you know, comfort and quality comes with a little bit of a, of a difference in price tag. True. So investing in those really good, timeless pieces, a good blazer, mm-hmm. a nice denim that can work as a dress pant or a going out pant, um, a comfortable shoe. And it is, that's probably one of the biggest challenges of my job is I'm shopping for such a wide range of demographic who are all looking for very different things. But if something comes into our store, because I can't always feel all of the clothing depending on the vendor. And if it comes in and it is not comfortable, Mm. if I can't send it back, it's going is a very, very low price point because I know it's not worth the money that, mm. you know, to get people like, and I will tell people, be like, I love this top. It's really great. It's not comfortable. You're going to put it on. You're going to wear it for your going out for two hours and you're going to want to take it off. So that's wow. why we're here. You know, um, and that you, as the franchise owner, you have that prerogative. You have that leeway. You have that ability to do that. That's very different than managing someone else's store. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And and there are some vendors where they, they have certain guidelines of pricing, but those are the vendors where, you know, the quality that's coming in. Sure. And you know, that it's going to live up to that standard. Okay. So yeah. And, but comfort is because if you're not comfortable, you're not going to carry yourself. Well, you're not going to exude because you're going to be thinking about it being itchy or being tight or being Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. So comfort is one of one of the highest things that we look for when we bring things in. Well, and the older I get, the more comfort is important, but I right. don't want to sacrifice the style or the personality. Right. So right. I think it's, it's really, absolutely not really good to hear. So maybe just take us, walk us through just a little bit of the process of becoming a franchise owner and um, what 
pushed you into that rather than like you said, that's the kind of store I would own, but maybe that instead of just going into retail. Yep. So I had always thought I'd wanted the store, but being a teacher, having never actually worked in retail, having never owned a business, I didn't, I, I mean, nothing. I knew plenty right. about being a teacher early childhood degree, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things, but about owning a business or even doing the buying, I was very uneducated and you can try and you can research and you can Google things. Um, I even had created an LLC that I paid like a GoDaddy site. Cause I was sure. like, if I do this and I invest the money, that's going to force me to do it. And it never happened. And we're not going <laughs> to tell my husband about, you know, the amount of money we put into a store that never got off the foot. Um, GoDaddy. There's nothing wrong with GoDaddy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It was going to be online. It was going to be great. I had mm-hmm. it all figured out and it went nowhere. Um, and so once I really decided that this is what I was going to do and I stumbled upon this franchise, um, I I wholeheartedly believe that we are put in places and given people and opportunities specifically in our lives to put us in that path. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know about franchisees and franchise. I mean, I knew about McDonald's and, you know, food restaurants, (laughs) right. You know, but I didn't realize that clothing franchisees were even a thing. And so I was lucky enough to stumble onto what I feel is the perfect fit for me because Mm -hmm. it is a company that has similar core values. Um, Our mission strike, our mission statement is all about empowering and loving Mm. and strengthening women and uplifting them. Yeah. Um, And they're, they're very strong in their faith, which is super important to me. And they gave me, the guidebooks, you know, Mm -hmm. when I hire a new person on, I have all of my hiring materials already created for me. I didn't Mm -hmm. have to make an employee handbook. Um, I have someone that, you know, I have an HR question. I don't know HR. I, I didn't go to school for that. So how do I manage a lot of stuff too? Right. And I Mm -hmm. think those are the things like someone thinks I'm going to open up a clothing store because I love to buy clothes and look pretty. And I want to help women, which is where I started. But then you don't realize all of the things that come with owning a business. Mm-hmm. Um, closing books. I had <laughs> no idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I was supposed to keep books. Oh, so <laughs> it was, you know, it. I can only imagine what kind of a train wreck it would have been if I wouldn't have had the support from the franchise to help mm. me along the way and tell me the things that I didn't even know I didn't know. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that what you're describing is literally the same kind of thing that I did through getting my coaching through Maxwell Leadership. I had no idea where to start. And this gave me an opportunity and some mentors and some resources for where to start. It's not quite the same, but it's similar. The rest of my business has had to be learning it. Just like you explained, I had no idea I didn't just do this thing. I had no, how do I do an LLC? I was fortunate to have a friend who was doing an LLC. Oh, tell me the steps, right? So it, 
it can be for, for some of us and for some people, the adventure of doing it all on your own might be exactly what you need. But for some mm -hmm. people, they don't need that. What they need is I really want to do this. This is my mission and this could actually help me do it. So um, I think that's a really good message. Um, so as we kind of transition into leadership, you serve women. Um, you don't carry any men's clothes, correct? Correct. It's all about, it's all about um, women. And um, so what part of owning this franchise and opening this boutique spoke directly to your passion for, you shared a little bit of their mission um, and you said it aligned with your values. What was your, the, the one thing that really pushed you kind of like the why you really wanted to do this? Was it seeing other women struggle or was it just knowing the transformation that you had made? I think it was a combination of the mm -hmm. two, knowing that by changing my mindset, um, you know, even changing it, I have fluctuated with weight as we've talked about. And when I finally lost it, it wasn't that I went on any bad diet or even increased my exercise. It was, I started with, I'm just going to leave a bite of food on my plate at the end of every meal. And I'm not going to go for seconds. I didn't deprive myself mm -hmm. of anything, but it's just changing that mindset. And slowly it started to like, then I would do a little bit less and I'd start listening to my body a little bit more. Mm. And so knowing that just by changing or seeing something from a different vantage point can make such a huge difference. I wanted to share that a little bit and share yeah. that story. And then, yeah, being able to help women that come in, I told my husband, I said, the women that come in are so vulnerable sometimes mm -hmm. and they share with us. I mean, people come in to shop for funerals. They come oh, in yeah. to shop for interviews. They come in to shop for a first date or because mm -hmm. their marriage didn't work out and now they're exploring a new path. And we get to be a part of those stories. Mm -hmm and help dress them for whatever they're going to take on when they walk out of our doors. Ugh. And it's, it, if you don't understand, it sounds kind of silly. And I no. totally, I, I get that, you know, but it's shopping can be a very personal thing. And that is what we offer is that conversation and that listening ear. And then we're going to help you and we're going to make sure that you've you feel confident. And if you come out in something and it doesn't fit your body, we are going to very gently tell you like, you know, let's try this. This isn't, it looks nice. It looks great, but let's try something. I think we can make it better. Mm -hmm. um, and very delicately handling those situations and showing them how they can wear the clothes to the best of mm -hmm. their ability that showcases their personality, their confidence and just puts them on the right foot. So that's one less thing they have to worry about when they walk into that meeting or walk into that first date. They know they look good and now the rest is up to them. Well, that truly is empowering because empowering is giving somebody the knowledge they need, the confidence they need, and the means that they have that they need to actually make the choices for them that they need to make. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a beautiful example. So many of us think of retail as quote unquote therapy, and um, it it can be easy to just walk into TJ Maxx or another department store on the sale rack and the clearance and just kind of like grab a few things, but that 
it, I'm going to make a funny and, and interesting analogy here. It's a little bit like opening the pantry and seeing what's available, right? Whereas mm-hmm. what you describe is saying, you know what? I'd really like a lovely piece of trout tonight for supper. And with that, I think I would like to pair asparagus and a, a nice salad or some, some potatoes or something. Let me find a really nice recipe that's going to make this a beautiful dinner. And then enjoying your dinner rather than going to the pantry and just grabbing what looks available. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And I think for those of us who sometimes will assuage our confidence, lack thereof, or our, whatever we feel, our shame or our guilt, or just our general malaise, whatever, um, with shopping therapy, it doesn't usually satisfy. I mean, how many things do we have in our closets that still have the tags on? How many things do we have in our closets that we don't wear because they don't really fit and we didn't have somebody there to help us? I worked in college. I worked, I took a semester off and part of what I did was I worked retail 80 hours a week. And (laughs) I know, well, part of it was I had debt to pay off. But, and, you know, working retail 80 hours is not going to pay off a whole lot of debt, but, you know, back in the eighties, it's paid off even less, but it was, it was a very different experience. It was not what you described. It was, and, and so many people see it this way as just make sure this, the sizes are there and, and they can, you know, you try on your stuff, here you go, and you can pay for it here, you know, and Mm -hmm. to hear the way you describe it with an intent behind it with a mission behind it with love and care, because obviously the women that come into your shop are looking for something and they find it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we try. And it's also knowing too, that not everyone understands how colors go together or how oh, patterns yes. can be mixed together. Um, I had a girlfriend, the same girlfriend who actually took me to the boutique. I went into her closet. She's like, I have gray pants. What do I wear with gray pants? I'm like, what do you, what do you what do you mean? What do you wear with gray pants? And she's like, I have nothing to wear. Like, I know I can wear white and black. And I'm like, Oh, Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Let me tell you. And I mm-hmm. like pulled out like 20 different outfits and she's like, I had no idea. And, I'm yep. like, and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, so this is something that I'm seeing that other people aren't just how an artist can create something. And I would have no, like you'd put a blank canvas in front of me and I'd have no idea where to start. Right. Well, that so Dana is a definition of the courageous leader because you can actually see a vision that other people can't and you're willing to share it, right? You're mm-hmm. willing to impart that. It's not a, an, I know this and you don't thing. It's a, Ooh, I can see it. Let me explain it to you or let me show you. So I think that's a beautiful, beautiful example. Let's shift gears and let's talk about Dana when she was younger. And I love asking women, especially those who have such a clear vision of where they are now and what their passion is and why they, why they do what they do. Can you look back into your childhood or your early um, adulthood years and see maybe the very first leadership memory that you have of yourself? Maybe the first thing you really took on or something that you did as a child that really just kind of shaped your mindset for where you are today. Yeah. Uh, whew. I think there's a couple of them. I know my biggest, my parents have always joked. I've had a very loud personality. I've always been a little bit outspoken, which is funny to me because again, the whole self You don't self-confidence, sound like a loud personality to me. No, right? <laughs> um, but I was in fourth grade and there was an oratorical contest and you had to write 
the speech and give it in front of a room of strangers and judges. And as a fourth grader, I was competing against middle school and high schoolers. And I made it to the county, Mm. you know, level. So we had a local and county and then that went to state. And so my very first year as a fourth grader, I made it to the county level. And that was the first time where I was like, I get to speak and people are going to listen to me. And I, you know, and I had help from my parents because of course, as a fourth grader, my writing maybe wasn't as great as what it should have been, Mm -hmm. but we would sit down and make it together. And so the next year I went back for more. And as a fifth grader, I made it to state and I'm this tiny little person and I'm competing against high schoolers Mm. talking about, and they would give different topics. So um, one was now is the time. And that was it. Like they would just give you that little snippet and then you could take it in any direction. And you just gave your own like fifth grade Ted talk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's probably the first thing between that and just the piano lessons and having to get up and do recitals and Mm -hmm. having that courage to kind of get in front of people. I think we're all the stepping stones that put me to where I am of now. I can be in front of people either through Facebook or Instagram or through in person at our store Mm. and not be afraid to have a conversation with them or to Mm. strike up that conversation. Mm. Um, And then too, I never saw it as a leadership, but I've just always kind of been one of those people where it's like, we're going to just do what needs to get done. And if Mm. that means that I take charge, then I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Or if I need to, you know, take second fiddle, that's cool too, as long as it's going to get done and just helping to make sure. Um, So that's just kind of always been, I think, a little bit of that personality, school projects, things like that, shining through where we're just going to make sure we get it done. (laughs) Well, and I I think that it's, I love looking at how those, and you did that beautifully. You wrapped it all up for me. You showed me exactly how, what you learned there has shown you how you can do that now. It's a mindset that you have. It can happen. It can get done. I'm not going to die on stage. I'm not going to die. I'm going to talk to somebody, you know? And I think that that's a really good example because you shared with me that one of the things that you're also doing is working with local entrepreneurs in your city to help promote and build businesses in that downtown area. Share a little bit about maybe how that leadership principle or that leadership understanding and mindset has enabled you to do that kind of work. Yeah. Again, I think it's just realizing that you have a place and Mm -hmm. if we all sit back and wait for things to happen, they might not happen. And Mm -hmm. so someone has to be that change in motion. And When I first opened the store, obviously it was really overwhelming. I was Mm. the one working the floor most of the time. I didn't have, you know, nearly the staff that I have now. And I was really overwhelmed. So I was just one of those people that I, I tagged along. Like if someone came up with the idea, I was like, yep, that sounds good. We'll totally participate. And over the last probably six months or so, I've realized that now it's time for me to be one of those people with changing Mm. businesses and being established and having staff that, you know, that can help me and help run the store when I'm not there 
it's my turn to be the person that says, okay, let's do this. Or what can we do to help bring businesses downtown? Because it really needs to be a group mindset. It cannot be, I'm going to worry about my business and my business alone because other businesses can bring business to your business. Mm -hmm. And it'll bring people that probably never even knew you were there or maybe wouldn't have thought that there would be anything in common. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that mindset of it is community over competition. (laughs) And when we all work together and encourage each other and pump each other's businesses up, um, we all succeed. It was shortly after we opened. So Sheboygan's not super big. We don't have a ton of like boutiques mm-hmm. uh, in our downtown. Currently, you're, you're there in a pretty area. You're on which lake? Lake you're Michigan. A, lake Michigan. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm a, you're good. <laughs> I have not been up there. I need to come. Um, but uh, you're on Lake Michigan. So it's beautiful up there. But go ahead. You it don't is. have a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a I, before opening the store, I never even realized how many tourists actually came to Sheboygan mm. until opening the store and getting to meet all of these people. Um, and it was shortly after we had opened and one of the ladies had asked me, they, they said, are there any other boutiques to go to? Oh. And I hesitated because we'd only been open for a couple of months. And then it was like, it kind of goes through your thought process of, well, if I tell them about it, mm-hmm. They, they might not buy from me or maybe they're going to go buy from that person. And I hesitated and she kind of looked at me and then I got a phone call and I had to go away and it, it still kind of haunts me. And oh, after yeah. that, I was like, you know what? This is not who we are. This is not right. what we do. Right. And so we tell everyone that comes in, we're like, you should go. The lakefront has this boutique mm-hmm. and a new one opened about three blocks away. You should go check them out because they have a different style. Mm-hmm. It was also accepting the fact that I need to know that people are going to come into my store and I might not be their cup of tea. Right. I might, I cannot bring in something to, that's going to please everybody, mm-hmm. but hopefully these other boutiques that are opening are going to be those people and they're mm-hmm. going to, and that was kind of that realization that I needed to have with myself after opening the store. Cause sure. you know, any, anything is scary and you worry you're not going to succeed. Oh yeah. And And so just knowing that if my mission is that a woman is going to be able to find the best outfit and the best fit for them, it might not be at our store Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Then Mm -hmm. I need to help point them in the right direction of where they are going to find those things. Um, So really just working with some of the businesses to try and help them see that and see Mm -hmm. that if we all work together Anytime we can bring people to the downtown, it's going to help all of us because mm-hmm. if they're walking, they might see something that they didn't realize was there. Yeah. I mean, it's great. You do some adorable Facebook lives and you share a lot of information. So we'll get in a, in a little while, we'll get to where people can find you. But the best traffic for a local boutique really is the foot traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, so that's kind of our next biggest project is trying to figure out how can we just bring, because the tourists come. Yeah. It's, we're just in that tourist area. So they just walk and they find us, but the locals don't do that. So trying to figure out mm-hmm. how can we get the people that live here sure. to know that this isn't just a place for the tourists to come. Sure. So. 
Um, well, I love that. You know, I you know I love community. And I was <laughs> literally sitting here typing notes going, oh, she's building community. And then you said community over competition. I'm like, bingo. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Well, it. it just is, you know, especially and if you're talking about boutiques, you're probably talking about women business owners and you're talking about uplifting other women and you're participating in being role models and you as a more established business are showing them how it can be done. I mean, this goes all the way back to what is it? The Macy's was it miracle on 32nd, 34th street, 34th street, 34th street. <laughs> Yeah, feel free to jump in if I'm looking like I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, oh no, you're good. <laughs> but it goes back to that same principle, and it's it's the same for every business, isn't it? For a coach, it's really easy for somebody to say, "Well, are there other coaches in your area?" Well, I mean, well, no, I can meet all your needs. Well, no, I really can't, right? And it that is such a mature place to get to as a business owner to realize I am not everybody's cup. A cup of tea. I cannot stock everything that everybody needs. I, my personality is not right for every person, right? I mean, I have a mm -hmm. decent sized Facebook group, but I still notice when somebody leaves and that's still, it's like, oh, they left my Facebook group. What, what is it they don't like? About? Oh, Andrea, they're, you're not their cup of tea or you're what this group does not offer them what they need. Okay. That's fine. Right. And just to mm -hmm. say, well, I hope they find what they're looking for, or it could be like me, they've accepted 75 group offers and they need to reduce the, <laughs> but it's just being able to look at the difference from, like you said, from a different perspective or vantage point really does make a difference, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. I know there's a few times like people will walk out and they didn't buy anything. And I'm like, is there something wrong with the store? Do I need to go buy more things? You know, and it, that happens to all of us. And as women of faith, it's easy for us to say, you know what? His grace is sufficient for me. I don't need to worry about this. And you and I both espouse the whole, we've been put here to do certain things at certain times for certain reasons. And evidently that was not part of my plan, the, the plan for right. me. Right. And mm -hmm. to see things from that bigger picture, I think is, can be very, very helpful. Do you have, Dana, a principle? Most leaders do have some kind of a mission or a principle that they live by on a daily basis that kind of helps them step into that bigger piece of service or really apply um, everything that they do well. Do you have a, a principle that you live by on a daily basis? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's a principle, but um, I had Throw the it out there. ability. Let's see. Let's see. Let's <laughs> Well, we shall find out. I had the unique ability. I actually grew up with my grandparents. Um, my mom and dad lived with my his my dad's mom and dad. Um, and my grandpa would always give me these like age old wisdom bits oh. and things like that. And, you know, a couple like keep your nose clean or, you know, be careful who you choose to marry because 90% of your happiness or you know, sadness is going to come from that one decision. So, you know, he would always put these in my head as we were, you know, walking or watching TV or playing Michigan Remy. But the one that kind of stuck with me is you cannot control the things that are going to happen to you, but you can control the way you react to them. Yep. And that is because as a business owner, and I think just a mom or someone who's working, we can very easily get bogged down with what ifs yep. or 
this is happening. And what if all of a sudden, you know, this and this and this happened and all of a sudden we're down this wormhole mm-hmm. and it's just because, you know, like maybe your kid fell and skinned their knee and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, but what if it gets infected? And then what if their leg has to be amputated? You know, cause I've been there. Like I have been that person that is one tiny thing happened mm. and you go down this wormhole <laughs> of like, my kid is going to have, you know, die of typhoid fever or something, you know? So <laughs> it's very easy to get lost in sure. these things. It is. Yeah. And I just, in those times, I'm just like, okay, this is what happened. How am I going to react? And Mm -hmm. how are we going to take the next step forward? And just kind of centering yourself um, and kind of realigning yourself and knowing that bad things might happen and how I react to it is going to be either part of the problem or part of the solution. Yeah, that's a fabulous principle. I don't see how that's not a principle. It is. It is It is a mantra by which you live. And um, it's one that I've heard all of my life as well. And um, we teach it in the coaching world. We say, live in the facts, right? Just what are the facts? Mm-hmm. What are the circumstances? This happened. Does Do we have to enjoy what happened? No, we don't have to be happy about everything that happens. But being able to just live in the facts and say, these are the facts. These are not, um, this is not the future. This is not the past. This is just right now. These are the facts. And then Mm -hmm. decide, okay, I loved your whole center yourself and say, what can I do? And that does take a nanosecond. (laughs) It does. You have to be willing to pause, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love, um, I love your description of the multi-generational family. We don't see that all the time. And um, we see it in other cultures more readily. I grew up in Korea. We saw the multi-generational family in that culture all the time. And you, you see it in more old world kind of countries right now, you know, in the United States, we, and pretty much all over the world though, we're a global economy. We move everywhere, I, you know, I famously have lived in 17 different places and 17 of those or 16 of those were before I was 35. So, you know, we do that a lot. We move all over the place and being able to say, I have this foundation of generational wisdom that was imparted to me. And I live by that principle. I think that's a beautiful gift, even just to give to your family. Yeah, it was, I considered myself very lucky to be in that and to be able to grow up with that. So cool. So let's talk about your mission of empowering women to feel good in their body, in their bodies and to dress for their personalities and et cetera, et cetera. Um, was your support system as you left teaching, did you leave teaching, go straight into the franchise or what kind of support (laughs) systems do you have around you to do that? Yeah. Well, so I left teaching and then I worked with my husband for a few years, which was, you know, interesting in and of itself. The two of us survived. We'll put it that way. My strong willedness came out a little not great when it was he would try and be the boss and I would be like, you're not the boss of me. He's like, actually I, I am in this case. So we just realized that it was probably better to move on. And so I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back into teaching. Uh, so I dabbled in the corporate world where I sat behind a computer all day and answered like 200 emails, mm-hmm. fabulous workplace, but just not the fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
that is ultimately what led me to being so unhappy with where my life was and what I was doing, um, that it opened my eyes enough to look into the franchise. Yeah. Um, and in the end, my past employer was a fabulous support system for me while I was going through the whole process of the franchise. They allowed me to continue working there. Wow. They gave me, they cut my hours to where I could have just enough to keep health insurance for my mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. Uh, because they knew my youngest had some, had some things and lots of medications. So they knew that that was important and they let me work up until the day that I didn't want to. And they gave me all of the vacation, wow. all of the benefits. Um, they even had said that at some point, if it didn't work out, I could come back and they would have a job waiting for me. Wow. And so that was, you know, I, you don't realize that gift until it's there. And it wasn't just one person. It was the community as a whole. But um, my, Did you have to ask for that or did they offer it? They offered it. And not knowing business. So I had a struggle when opening. So I, my husband is the one that I say pushed me off the cliff. So through the whole franchise process. And what drew me to mainstream was that they actually interviewed me and had me interview them because Mm -hmm. they wanted to make sure the fit was good. The Mm -hmm. fit was good for both of us. Mm -hmm. So that whole process took about four months of interviewing, calling other franchises um, to ask them certain questions. And I had exhausted every conversation and every, you know, avenue that I could. And I call my dad because him and I are, are pretty close and he's typically my sounding board. And I'm like, all right, dad, it's kind of that time where I have to, you know, or get off the, get off yeah. the pot mm-hmm. and kind of, <laughs> make a choice. Yeah. And uh, he says to me, he goes, Dana, don't ask me this question because this is where the fear would take hold of me. And I would say, don't do it. Mm. He's like, I, and I, I don't want to tell you yes or no. Because he's like, but if it was me, my fear and my anxiety would kick in and I wouldn't do it. Wow. Um, and so I'm talking to my husband about this. And my husband started his own business 18 years ago. Okay. So he, he already took, has the experience. Yeah. He took mm-hmm. $1,000 out of his bank account, started with his business partner and has grown. <laughs> I mean... So unconventional and so crazy. And so he is definitely the risk taker out of the Mm -hmm. two. And I'm talking about this and I'm panicking and I'm about to back out essentially Mm. because I, I think like deep inside me, I know that it would work, but there's the voice of my dad. Like there's the fear, like what if it doesn't? And so all of a sudden I was at work and my husband called me and he goes, you know, we're going to, you're going to take a little bit of a longer lunch today and we're going to go have, have lunch. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, that's fine. Like I don't have any meetings. I'm like, what, who are we meeting someone? What are we doing? He's like, Oh, we're signing loan documents. We're taking a (laughs) HELOC out in the house and you're going to pay your franchise fee. Like, this is what he's like. I believe in you. I know you're going to make it a success. And this is what we're doing. You brought me to tears. (laughs) I was like, what? We're doing what? Mm-hmm. And so that's beautiful. That is, 
yeah, so that's what we did. Uh, we went and signed the documents. We took a second loan out on our house to pay the franchise fee. Mm. Um, and then that started that process. Mm. And when it came time to finally signing, I had to go through different things because then there's collateral issues with sure, banks sure. and all these things that you don't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came time to sign the lease. And of course, when they draw up the lease, it doesn't tell you like what the month by month payment is. It says like for the whole year, this is what oh, you're paying. Like, and it like takes you know, your breath away. $45,000. And I'm like, that's more than I make in a year right now. <laughs> and I'm going to have to, like, what if no one comes and buys the clothes? So again, my husband picked me up from work because he's like, I, if I don't take you, he's like, I don't think you're going to go. <laughs> he's like, I think you're going to stand this person up. And so, yeah. So obviously my husband was the huge pusher and was the one that had the most faith in me mm. and belief in me that I could do this. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, so, yeah. And then once we did that, then my dad and my brother, they made the fixtures for the store. My mom made the curtains that we have hanging. So it just became more of that family affair. Yeah. I don't think my family realized that I said when I was opening a store, how much they were going to end up being involved, but, <laughs> well, but that's part out. of your community, right? That's, that's the right. community that you've built around yourself and that you have, mm-hmm. um, because that's a beautiful story. And I think it's really important for people to hear that you don't have to be somebody who's just willing to free fall off a cliff to, to do something like this. You can be mm-hmm. somebody who's dragged <laughs> Like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and one of them grabs the other and jumps off the cliff. It's like, here we go. What? Here we go. We're doing it. Well, but the beautiful thing too is you you had support, right? You had you had a support system. You had your family, even with your dad saying, "I don't know if I could do this." That gave you something to think about, right? He was honest with you. He didn't hold anything back. But having your employer say, "We're going to support you," because evidently they believe in you, and then having your husband say, "Let's go, chick." time to go. Um, it, that's, I think it's really important for us to, to understand and realize that this is not something we do on our own. Right. Right. This, this is not a solo. We call sometimes many of us are called solopreneurs, right? Because I'm my only employee. And, you know, for me, that actually is a, an okay moniker because I don't employ anyone else. And I, you know, but at the same time, I don't do this by myself. I couldn't do this by myself either. I couldn't do it without people like you, without my friend, Kim, without my husband, without other coaches and other dear friends that I have that support me and encourage me all along the way. And I want women to hear that you can be a leader and you can do these things that are different and you will have support, right? You don't have to do it by yourself. Right. And sometimes that fear is good too, because all of a sudden now I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I have to do it. And then that mindset of, so what do I need to do to get it done? Kicks in. Um, So So let's talk about that. Get it done thing. Almost every woman that I talk to has some kind of habit or ritual that they do on a daily basis that keeps their mind where it needs to be in order to make everything else happen. Do you have a habit or a ritual that you just say, this has to happen today. And if it doesn't happen, then everything else is going to go south. It, mine happens before I get out of bed every morning. Okay. And I think it's that teacher where I lay in bed and before I'm even getting up, I start making like a mental list 
what does my day look like? What does my schedule look like? Where am I going to fit in things? And just, again, kind of like centering yourself, like what's important today? Because like it, it, it is so easy to become overwhelmed with work and kids or parents or siblings or friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone is just torn in so many different directions mm-hmm. and coming back to yourself and being like, okay, what is it that I need to do today? Mm-hmm. And I just find if I set that up at the beginning of the day, now, does it always work out? No, you know. But at least you have a, a little bit world. of a map, right? You have a little bit of a map. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a map because, you know, making sure that I fit certain things in. Um, I I never, I never thought I would be one of these people, but exercise has become super important to me. Yeah. Um, I've found a method of exercise that I love and it makes me feel good. And mm-hmm. so that is something where it's like, I just, I know I need to get it in today. Mm-hmm. And so where in my day can I fit it in? Because it's just going to make everything go better. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to have more energy. Um, So yeah, just kind of planning out that day before it even starts. And then just saying a little prayer that I'm, I mean, I know I'm going to make it through, but you know, any grace that can be afforded to (laughs) me is always helpful. (laughs) Those of us with loud personalities need all the grace, (laughs) don't we? (laughs) All right. So let's wrap this up with some green flags. We talk about those on this podcast instead of red flags because we're optimistic and we're looking for things. So in the the vein of you already help other women downtown, um, but for women who are listening to this podcast and think, oh, I wonder if that's something I could do. I wonder if maybe your particular franchise may not be the the one for them. Maybe they are, um, maybe they want to do something totally different, but what would be some green flags that they could look for in themselves to say, yep, I I think I might want to do this. I would say uh, your path, like find what my green flag came from my passion Mm -hmm. first. So find that thing that you're super, super passionate about and look for the green flags. And sometimes it's just that little pit and you're feeling like this doesn't terrify me to my core. <laughs> so maybe that's kind of the path I should be following. I'm a little scared, but I can still breathe. This is good. <laughs> but it, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, um, but I think, yeah, finding like your passion and something you can just be genuine about. Mm. I think any time that people can tell you're genuinely excited or happy about something Mm -hmm. that just helps propel you a little bit um, and kind of set those up for you. Okay. So let's say I have, I know what my passion is. I'm positive. I know exactly what it is. I can talk about it all day long. You know, you see these Facebook posts. If you had to get up and speak for 30 minutes right now on what topic, what would it be? Well, Whatever your answer is to that might be a passion for you, right? Yes. (laughs) But um, so if you know what your passion is and you're, you're ready to actually start sharing that with other people, what is there one piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice that you would give to somebody say, start here? I think it really, it's, it's different for, you know, because going back to my story, like I was passionate about this. And then I found the franchise opportunity. So I think looking for the next step of making it, and it's going to be different for everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, 
kind of like, it spreads out, right? So I okay. find my passion and then I have to decide, am I going to do it alone or do I need help doing it? If you're going to do it alone, then you go down that path. And if you're going to need help, then, okay, who's going to help me do this? And it kind of spreads from there. So I would almost like even making like a decision or a step-by-step tree, like starting yep. here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start, I want to open a store. Okay. Do I, do I want to do this on my own or do I want help with it? Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to do it on my own. So you're going to go down that path. Yeah. And then I'm going to do it on my, well, what, what do I need from there? And just kind of mapping out so that you can see it. Because a lot of time I'm a firm believer, like when you write things down, you can see it and you can visualize it. So you're, it's easier to set goals. Right. And it's Absolutely. easier to attain them because you've written it down and you can see it in paper on black and white. What I also love is then you can easily modify those goals depending on the next steps that come. Yeah. But it's a starting point. Okay. It's, you know, it helps you take that step in the right direction. Absolutely. We are on the same page most wholeheartedly. <laughs> Dana, I don't want to keep you all day. We could probably talk a whole lot longer, but where is the best place for people to find you? The best place to find this is on Facebook or on Instagram, okay. uh, Mainstream Boutique Sheboygan. There's quite a few of us because like we said, we're a franchise, but ours is located in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Okay. So um, when what we'll do is we will link in the show notes exactly how to get to those pages so that people will know because they can order from you, right? They can order directly off your Facebook or your Instagram. Is that correct? Yep. And we just actually started Comment Sold, which got us an app. So you can download Ooh. our app on the Play or App Store from your phone. Okay. Uh, Mainstream Boutique Sheboygan. And we ship out all over the country. So if you are not local, we can definitely ship to you. And if you have questions about the clothes, you can always message us on Facebook or Instagram. And we are more than happy to set up. We've done Zoom calls. We've done FaceTime Mm. calls with customers um, so that even if you can't come into the store, we can still give you kind of that one-on-one styling and, you know, the same touch as if you would be here with us in person really, really valuable because, you know, I'm one of those, I'm a pair, right? So uh, (laughs) it's like, I know, but people say, what size are you? Well, that really depends. And so being able to have a conversation, knowing that I don't know that I'm going to get in your store physically anytime Mm -hmm. soon, but knowing that that's available and that we can do that, that's really, um, really fun. So before we close out, um, we love to close with the one thing that you can be the most optimistic about every single time, even when other people think you're crazy. And this could be super silly or super serious. It's wide open. If there was one thing that you are always optimistic about, what is it? I saw this on the very end of your sheet. <laughs> and it was the last question that I didn't like. I'm like, I'm going to sleep on this. <laughs> and then this morning I woke up, I'm like, what am I always optimistic about? And I, like, I have been dwelling on this and I, I am a fairly optimistic person. Uh-huh. And the one thing that I just kind of keep coming back to is that I will survive. Mm. I will make it through. It might be messy. Yep. It might not be exactly the way I thought it was going to be, mm. but it's going to work out. 
Every time. Like every time. And we're going to make it through even on the days where you have 12 soccer games and you think you have to be in four different places at once. (laughs) You're going to figure out a way because Mm. we just have to keep moving forward. So it's, that's just what I kept coming back to is well, then that must be it. Put one foot in front of the other and Mm -hmm. we'll survive. Absolutely. (laughs) God, we could quote so many movies, you and me. I'm, I'm seeing like the abominable snowman, one foot in front of the other, you know, from the Christmas, I guess it's Rudolph. I'm going to leave you with that vision in your head. Fantastic. (laughs) I know. Well, thank you. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better and understanding what you do and seeing all of your fun things that you share with women. Thank you so much today. This has been a real treasure. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciated it. Okay. Who's ready to go shopping? Gosh, I know I am. And you've got to check out her website or her Facebook page because they do live demos twice a week and you can purchase right there. But as easy as it would be to get carried away in the beauty of the clothes, the customer experience, and her bubbly personality, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that Dana is a perfect example of how a woman can go into business for herself via a suitable franchise and then flourish and thrive. Now, before I share my main takeaways, let me point out how Dana exemplifies the tenets of intentional optimism. We do this for every guest because we all live unique and different lives. And while what we may do is different, intentional optimism is how we do what we do. It's the attitudes and mindsets that we employ and embody to live out our own goals and dreams with excellence. And we always start with optimistic. Dana talked about seeing things from a different vantage point. That's what having hope will do for you. It will completely change your perspective. As far as presence is concerned, she is all in on celebrating beauty. She even helps you find it. And energetic. Anyone who starts a business with or without a franchise automatically falls into the industrious category. But Dana's also people-focused. Her mission is to help each woman she meets feel great as a result of working with her. And for courageous, Dana's willing to be a visionary leader who can see a different future and communicate that to others. Plus, if you're opening a brick and mortar, you have my vote for being courageous. And for wisdom, Dana has a deep spiritual component to her life and work. And she managed to even find a franchise opportunity that shared that aspect, making it simple to forge a vision and mission aligned with her values and beliefs. And for intentional, Dana knows her why. It's to help the women who walk into her shop feel amazing about their clothes and their bodies. She certainly has a purpose, and she lives that out daily. Dana's unconventional in her leadership because her passion for understanding that clothing can literally change someone's life is a reflection of her core values of compassion, wisdom, and empowerment, making her a great role model for women to celebrate and live into exactly who they've been created to be. Unconventional leaders lead at every level, in any area, using their unique gifts. So what are my big takeaways? Well, as I said at the beginning, Dana's story is such a beautiful example of unconventional leadership. She knew she was not fulfilling her potential, and she wanted more. She tried a few things, just like all of us do, but when she stumbled into her passion, she knew immediately. She visited the mainstream store in Charlotte, and on the way home, she emailed the corporate office on the plane. (laughs) Now, John Maxwell says leaders are decision makers, usually quick decision makers. 
And that doesn't mean that Dana didn't take the time to gather all the relevant information. The process took over four months, but she knew very quickly that this was an opportunity she wanted to pursue. She didn't have to make her decisions alone, though. I've noticed that many of the women who have taken big steps to pivot in their careers have done so with the support of at least a few important people, and Dana's no exception. Proving the idea that those around us can often see something in us before we do, and this is a reference to my interview with Kelly Hoey on networking, that's number 78, her friend hauled her off to, quote, go shopping, taking her into the mainstream flagship store because she could see that this was an opportunity for Dana to live her passion. Her employer at the time sounds amazing, allowing her to reduce her hours to keep her benefits while she was making the transition. And then, of course, there's her husband, who was willing to push her to make the decision, even taking out a second mortgage on their home to do it. Now, as we learned from Diane Ployce last week, there are all manner of options available for franchise fee funding, but this is definitely one of the ones that she mentioned. Another thing that makes leaders stand out is that they nearly always have a principle by which they live and at least one habit that supports it. And to this end, Dana shared a story that completely warmed my heart. It's one of generational wisdom. Understanding what you can control goes a long way toward managing all kinds of issues in your life. But the fact that she remembers hearing that special truth, you can't control the things that happen to you, but you can control your reaction to them, in her grandfather's voice, it's priceless. That truth has lived with her since she was a girl and has shaped how she has grown into a businesswoman, running her own thriving business with staff and an online presence, and all of that is testament to the power of the principle. I'll also bet you that she lives that out in front of her staff and in her family, empowering those who come after her to take ownership of their own thoughts and actions and helping to create open, centered, and empowered future leaders. (laughs) She sounds like a coach. How many of us can say that? What kind of a role model am I? How about you? Now, in order to live her principle, Dana's developed a few habits that start her off on the right foot every single day. She makes a mental checklist in her head first thing. Whew, y'all, I marvel at people who can do this before they get out of bed. I certainly need coffee. But this is her method for ensuring that she starts the day out understanding what she can control and then making a plan to do so. Doing this also keeps her centered in today. Remembering that today is what you have enables you to focus and be present with the people who matter. And then her list and practice always includes exercise. She understands the value of keeping her body healthy because that helps keep her mind clear and healthy as well. Now, if you're sitting there listening and wondering if it's possible for you to go into business for yourself, well, yes, and there are too many options for me to name here. So what are the green flags that Dana suggested you look for to see if you're suited to owning your own business, especially through a franchise option? Well, first, she said, identify your passion. Now, I'm going to bet you a million dollars that you already know deep down what your passion is. It's the thing your brain spends time on when you haven't necessarily directed it to concentrate on something else. In other words, daydreaming. It's also what you lay awake at night thinking about. Or maybe it's the thing you just actually do in your free time. Dana knew hers, but she hadn't quite figured out how to turn it into a business. She thought it was shopping. But as soon as she began to explore options, it came into clear focus. She wanted to help other women understand that having the right clothing for fit, personality, and comfort can literally change their life, just like it did hers. She loved figuring out how to feel good in her clothes and wanted other women to feel that way too. 
She thought, however, there wasn't a way to make money doing it. And the odds are your brain's telling you the same thing about your passion. You can't make money doing fill in the blank. And that could be something pretty that you create or the way you make people feel. Hello, professional encourager here. But it's also likely that it's hiding just underneath that thing your brain tells you you can't do. Just like Dana's shopping versus changing women's self-image. Now she's able to help the women who enter the doors of her boutique feel great about the clothes and their body. And her second green flag was, look for what's really genuine. Is this a genuine passion for you? Let's just stick with Dana's example. It's super simple. She said she loved to shop, but what's the purpose behind it? Now, if she was just out shopping to ease boredom or anxiety or shopping therapy, it's not the same thing. She had to dig a little deeper and see that she really loved taking her friends on shopping trips and finding all their clothes for them. And they were not allowed to look at the size labels, right? That's her genuine passion, helping her friends feel good and look good without the angst and drama that comes from all the literal labels and baggage that come with the actual shopping. Now, this process can be a good bit of work, that digging down beneath all the surface things you enjoy to the reasons why you enjoy them. But that will show you what's real and genuine. Which leads us to the three pieces of advice that she shared. First, what's your next step? Look for the next step in your passion. It's time to do a little strategic dreaming, my friend. Do you have the skills you need to pursue your passion? How about the education or knowledge? Is there a networking or Facebook group that you can join with others who are headed in the same direction and you can start learning from? Next, ask for help. I don't know why we keep having to say this, but we do. Women, especially strong, independent, and driven women, tend to skip the step. I know, I'm guilty myself. Even when others offer to help, I have a hard time accepting it, and then I feel guilty when I do. That's just our socially pre-programmed brains, but it's necessary I've recently learned a good bit about the benefits of asking for what you need and want, and they aren't as selfish as you might think. First, and I've said this before, others want to help you, especially other women. We want to see you succeed, and we even need to see you succeed. Your success gives us hope that we can do it too. Asking for help also provides someone else with the opportunity of being the helper. How empowering is that? But then asking for help also reminds you that you're not alone. You'll be surprised who will say yes, especially when you show up with a very real dream or passion. There's just something about that energy that's infectious. Trust me. And third, write things down. Even if you just scribble it on a piece of paper and shove it in a drawer. There are so many studies, there are too many to cite on this, but writing your dream down makes you at least 50% more likely to fulfill it. Then you can break it down into big or long-term goals, medium goals, and short-term goals, all of which you can increase your chances of achieving by first writing them down, telling them to someone else, and then allowing others to hold you accountable. The statistic for doing all three of those things is a whopping 90%. Now, one way to start dreaming is to create an unfiltered want or desire list. Just pull out a piece of paper and start writing things down. Don't filter yourself and don't qualify anything. Just let your mind and heart speak. You could also make a vision board. This is super simple. It's totally fun dreaming. And if you've never made one before, you can get the replay of the vision board workshop that we did back in the early part of 22 totally free at theintentionaloptimist.com forward slash vision. 
I'll put that in the show notes. Now, to learn more about Mainstream Boutique Sheboygan or to work directly with Dana, you'll find everything you need in the show notes. And don't forget to tell her you heard about her here on the Intentional Optimist podcast. Now, did something in Dana's story inspire you? Have you been on a personal growth journey and find you're kind of at that next step but not quite sure how to proceed? Maybe you need the support of a community where you can dream, grow, experiment, and explore with group coaching, teaching, encouragement, and gentle accountability. You need my community, Launch from the Beach. All of my info is also in the show notes, so hop on my calendar for a 30-minute consultation and let's get you a strategy in place. Until next time. Hey, thanks for spending your precious time with us today. If you love this podcast and find it to be uplifting and helpful, follow us or subscribe, then please take a moment and leave a review in one of those amazing five-star ratings. You can also snap a screenshot right where you listen, share it to social media, and tag me. This helps others find us and will have an even bigger impact. If you're curious what it would be like to work more closely with me or to step up as an unconventional leader yourself, schedule a free discovery session and we'll chat. But maybe you're an entrepreneur looking for a support team. I'd like to personally invite you into my collaborative community, Launch from the Beach. It could be just what you're looking for. All of my contact information and all the links are included in the show notes. And don't forget, you can always connect with other intentional optimists in our Facebook community. You can follow my Facebook or Instagram page, or even connect with me on LinkedIn. Additionally, I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter, Optimistic Living. It's good stuff delivered straight to your inbox on a not so strict schedule, but always from the heart. Remember, unconventional leaders lead at every level in any area using their unique gifts. And you, my friend, are a leader. You are the future of leadership and the role models for future generations. Until next time.